joined today by poet and thought leader Amawina, who hails from Nigeria. She stops by to talk about men and women relationships in her country, what her homeland has taught her, and understanding the importance of connecting internationally, all while sharing poetry from the motherland. Thank you for listening today to the next episode of Black Equity Podcast. Let's get started. All right, we are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. Neil Floetry is here. Neil, uh, welcome to Black Equity Podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing excellent. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Well. I know we, we met uh, about a year ago, and uh, back then I was really intrigued by your poetry. I'm glad that you and I have stayed connected. And we are having this conversation today. For those who don't know who you are, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, my name is, actually, my real name is Edwina, Edwina Aleme. Um, I'm from Nigeria, River States, Nigeria, based in Port Harcourt, precisely. Um, I am a spoken word artist, a poet, as you may call it. Um, I'm into several creative stuff. I do a lot of um, arts and crafts. I do a lot of sketching as well, though I'm not a very good painter when it comes to the visual art thing, but I do that as well. Um, I studied theater arts, um, a playwriting major. I am just an absolutely amazing creative human being. (laughs) That is very true. Very yeah. true. When did you know that you were this creative? Um, if if you permit me, I will I, I will say that um, I think that was when I was in my secondary school, several years ago actually. But thinking about it, my mind goes back to when I was a child because I realized that there were some things that made me stand out. I was I was different from every other child around me. I noticed that I could pick up maybe something is thick and I want to do like um, sketch a face or something in the sand. And I could pick up pieces of fabrics, you know, try to sew a little dress for my, my doll. And like, I I realized that when I was, when I, when I was a child actually. So it's not like I, I discovered that as an adult. <laughs> it's been there. As a child, as a child, you saw glimpses of the gift that you're using today yes yes absolutely how and maybe this question is uh because i'm foreign to the idea right but how does your country play a part in your poetry hmm everything happening around within my country plays a huge role in what my poetry, you know, stands, represents. The things that happen in the government, you know, families around, news that we hear every day. It just, it just, you know, juts into my, into my subconscious and then comes out to my consciousness. And then I just go ahead and put everything down. So Basically everything that has been happening within my country, especially from the government, because I realized that I tend to tilt more into what's going on within the, you know, the government. 
I tend to tilt more into that. And that kind of inspires me into, you know, delving deeper into my writing as a poet, as a spoken word poet. So more like one of the voices out of the millions of voices within my society. So even, even though it's very minute, but I still consider my voice a strong voice, you know, and my country plays a huge role in pushing that forward for everyone to know. So I'm curious, you know, I'm sitting here in the United States of America and currently, uh, as far as I know, you're sitting in uh, Nigeria. Um, growing up, what did you know about the United States or did, was it not even a concern about the United States? Hmm. Well, <laughs> I don't know, for some, for some weird reason, I, even my parents you know, my mom, my dad, they all know. For some weird reason, I just feel like there's this connection. I can't really tell what it is. It's not like I read anything somewhere to say, okay, um, you should be connected to them somehow. But somewhere, there's this thing that just keeps pulling me to the American society. I tend to, you know, want to find out more, get connected with, you know, Americans. Once I see any American, I'm really excited. I just feel like there's this connection, like I... So, you know, we know about Martin Luther King, we know about, you know, all these other people who have made a huge mark in the, you know, in the, in the American history. And one of the persons who really pushed me further, I'll say is Maya Angelou. Like listening to her, actually, <laughs> listening to her actually just drew me even closer to what has been going on in the American society and then, you know, the songs, the chants, those are the things that I can say. And of course, I like, I like the way, the way the Americans speak. I, I wouldn't say I'm speaking like an American, but I just, that kind of influenced the way I speak now. So, yeah, not that I read anything at some point, but these are just no, basic, no. Basic. I get it. I get it. You know, it's, it's interesting because I was always intrigued about Nigeria. Uh, when I did my, my DNA testing, and it it had traces, it had traces all over the place. But the highest percentage was in Nigeria, and so I find it to be uh, almost divine timing that mm -hmm. you and I uh, connect, uh, reconnect uh, for this conversation, uh, because you're looking at us and seeing value. And I'm looking mm -hmm. at y'all and I'm seeing value. Like sometimes I'll talk to someone from your area and they're trying to leave the country. And I'm, and they're, and I'm like, oh, where do you want to go? They're like, well, I want to go to the States. I want to go to the United States of America. And then I'll talk to people in the United States. And I'm like, where do you want to go? They're like, I want to go to Africa, right? I want to go to Nigeria. I want to go to Ghana. I want to go to South Africa. And, it, and it's so interesting that... Uh, both both sides are trying to get to each other but by the time we get to each other neither mm. side may even be there right you may be over here and we may be over there and we may not even meet each other but it's this idea of something different uh maybe mm. something new something unknown uh that intrigues us um you know when i listen to your poetry uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to to hear a couple of your pieces today when I listen to your poetry, I get uh, I get a sense of a small glimpse into 
the mind uh, that's been nurtured in Nigeria, mm -hmm. right? I get I get to see things from your perspective, and I uh, kind of make that walk with you. What do you hope people gather from your poetry when, when they're listening to it or when they read it? What I hope they will gather from my poetry, yeah? Yes. Mm. What I hope people will gather from my poetry is more like um, hearing the voices of um, those who do not have the ability to speak their minds. I want them to hear the voices of, you know, their own voices within my own poem. That's what I hope, you know, because like I said, things that really influence me uh, within my society, sometimes stuff can happen and someone wants to really say something, but they can't say it. So I think about it. If this is very vital information, I think about it. And then I'm like, okay, how will this person want to communicate what's going on in their mind? How would they want to? Because the poem I'm going to be writing is not, not just about me. First of all, it is my own message, but I have to say it in a way that they will understand and say, yes, this person actually got the picture of what's exactly on my mind. So let me just, you know, so that's what I hope that people will see once they hear my poetry, let it be that they are hearing their own voice within my own voice within my poems within the lines of my poetry you know so that's what i hope because there's a lot that i delve into apart from me writing powerpoints political poems i also write about family write those deep thoughts within that you know you might be having some issues with within the family and you can't really voice it out and then i have some experiences i just write it out and once i start saying it you say oh this person actually said exactly what's on my mind so that's what I hope, you know, my poetry should do. And of course, it's doing that so far. Well, if you don't mind, I would love to hear uh, a couple of your pieces of, of poetry. And then after each one, I would love to kind of explore uh, and ask some follow-up questions, if that's okay. Okay. So... Um... This particular poem that I'm going to share, like I mentioned family, I also mentioned political poem. Um, I would love to just read this one first. Um, okay. Just give me a second. Sure. Because this is, this is um, across borders. I'll say this is across borders, you know. I just want people to like have a little glimpse of what's happening in my society and just follow through so this is where i am from where i am from when i am asked where i come from I simply look up, heave a heavy sigh and smile. Where I come from, I come from a place you know, the one your kind calls dark. I come from this place rich in natural beauty and abundantly supplied ugliness within, like juju, we are taking for granted as a plaything. Don't get me wrong, 
The outward looks deceiving. Its natural resources can be enchanting. Sometimes I am forced to think that where I am from is a man. Like one who spent so much time at the gym, running faster during his tenure on a treadmill, stealing glances at the surrounding national mirrors, checking if others admire his growing biceps or his amply sculpted chest, Johnny with the many flaws, bravo. Where I am from is not a woman, obviously. It is like the self-gloating, high-shouldered, egotistic man who just loves to be a glutton, travel like a jala on tiring first-class trips to have ineffective mind-meeting experiences speak dully on life-threatening issues, wank off daily from the pain his family faces. This must be the perfect time for him to have more babies, I mean, who thrives on the sorrows of butchered bodies. How does this particular soul swipe left, muting sorrowful songs of the masses on replay, I bet, if he even attends morning mass to curb this mass destruction. This man is an obstruction to the freedom we seek does he even fix days for atonement? Does he put divinity on hold while he's thrust to the other room in search for female hands to massage his already growing ego? I still stand to believe that where I am from is a misogynistic man. This is not to throw any slingshot at men, but just my point to say that I have been writing a song titled Bull's Eyes, targeting with my bow and arrows. You will think this is just shallow, but I bet you there is more to this callousness. Where I am from is a man clad in white agbada, looking away when Talakawa stretch forth their voices to plead for peace. Please, do you really think he cares about peace? He loves to spread blood on the land with knives and guns, burn houses, rip open pregnant bellies, throw babies into erupting fire, chanting ka 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 when all he meant to say was cheese before the camera. Who goes to a breakfast table demanding for gravels as cereal? Who drags a cow to the forefront before an almost dying audience? Who forces a mad horse to the stream to and coerces it to drink? only one who is blind to the dictates of true prophecy. He who the gods have chosen will always one day go mad. I speak with a voice of prophetic poetry, telling these tales of agony that daily spread like wildfire across our porous minds, while bomb explosions splinter our hearts. As we watch ill-gotten reputation spread avarice than the current pandemic, panic them, they say. Poverty, I say, is even worse than COVID-19. See, I come from a place where SARS, a virus, is in human form. Spreading things, falling apart, meant to build paper houses in this man's storeroom. He needs to be quarantined. How did hospitable lunacy become the coroner's best task? Bash Amuneni will always remind me that there is a lunatic in every town. In this very place where I am from, allows absurdist political campaigns a gathering for shouting matches as they march to a lockdown like malignant cancer spreading in lungs. This might just be the reason why many can't even shout when men in power hire positions to speak with their falseness, whether asking as kings or paupers, their hands off humanity calls for sanity to give away injustice as hand sanitizers. And I ask, Akagio Diocha, are your hands clean? 
where I am from, is a place where wannabes want to be what they want to be, forgetting that mothers are still crying themselves to sleep. Sons and daughters send Yahoo as a messenger for quick cash. All we need is hope that we can make us cope. With these harrowing problems we face as fear lowers our failing systems, I wish that where I come from will forget utopia and deliver justice, get a chance to right the wrongs that plague us. So when next time I am asked, Miss Edwina, which part of the continent are you from? I will smile, heave a sigh and say, while we are busy flipping the switch, may the challenges we face not consume us. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So when you're sitting down and, and I'm gonna do my little snap, my snap, <laughs> right? When you're sitting down and you're writing something like this, which it feels like it has a lot of emotion to it. Do you feel that emotion when you're writing? Yeah, definitely. I first of all hear the voice within. I don't just pick up my pen and write. I have to hear it the exact way it is. You know, the emotion is there. I just see myself moving, weaving through lines. And once I pick up the first, you know, line, I, I'm just writing it as it comes so there's so much emotion to you know doing that all the time and so how do you feel when you've completed the poem when you, what type of emotions do you have there it, it's like you know when you inhale there's this tension within because there's something going on that you need to get out of the out of the way almost immediately you need to deal with this thing quickly that emotion of you know pain anger is there so i i will usually inhale so by the time i am done writing that piece there's this calmness there's this calm mm. that comes yes i just exhale and i'm like yes i have written something i have written something that i know if someone hears it they will agree with me that I have spoken their mind. So it usually before, comes like that. Before we move on to the next, uh, potentially the next poem, what did that poem mean to you? What does that poem mean to you as of today? It means a lot. It, it, it means a lot, especially with the things going on within my country. You know, um, I was actually just trying to let people know <laughs> Not to throw jabs at my president, but I was actually trying to express how I feel about his his supposed callousness about what's going on within the state, um, um, Benue state precisely. The middle belt, they are really suffering a lot out there. You know, I mentioned some very serious things there, like throwing children into fire and all of that. I just I mean, these are things that are very sensitive. It, 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 means, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to me to the point where I just feel like if he can, if he can listen to what I have to say and what these people have to say, then I think there will be a change somewhere. So it really does mean a lot to me. It's more like, like I will always say, the voices of other people, especially people from that area who are going through all of these things. I'm, I'm, I'm living in the, the south-south region of Nigeria. I know we have our own issues, but back there in the middle belt, they suffer all kinds of you know, terrorist 
attacks, like, you know, um, these herdsmen going into villages and causing all kinds of mayhem. So for me to have written down this piece, it means that I have to lend my voice somewhere in all of this chaos that's happening. So, yeah, that's how much it means, you know, to me. I uh, thank you for sharing that. I, I'm so excited for people to hear that poem and play it back and really uh, take in what you're saying. Was there any other uh, pieces you wanted to share with us today? Yeah. Um, I would want to share, I don't know if the same one that I um, read to you before, if that will be yes, nice. Of course, of course. I love to hear that one. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> okay. So this is um, my second piece. Dear Boy Child is the title. Dear Boy Child, remember me? I was the one created out of you from the creator. Remember, you were made with the finest of clay, God's ultimate achievement on the sixth day. You were packed with wisdom, strength, love, and care. Before time, you expressed creativity. You knew how to name things and how to till the land until the harvest came swiftly. You were friends with beasts, knowing no fear. Your boisterous resilience made you number one, waltzing creation to your command. You spoke and things changed for the best, moving mountains. Birds sang at your beck and call all day. You were joyful, reigned in your kingdom, Eden. A hidden life clothed in the finest of gold. You frolicked to the expanse of the ocean, no flood knew you. You never ran dry of options, fruitfully multiplying out of the abundance of a grateful heart. You created the perfect life you were made for. Ruler, king, commander, general, employing all of creation to walk in your stead. Nothing stood in your way, nothing. Somehow you lost yourself. Don't blame me. I wasn't the spoiler alert to end your game. I won't blame you for the crawling lies that lurked around me like a ghost. Maybe you got too excited. Maybe you compared cause I looked like you. I guess you forgot to teach me how to be your true self royalty. I guess you hid a part of you until death did nudge you apart. I guess you assumed I knew all that you knew as one flesh. I guess you guessed wrong of my takeover plan. I would not play the blame game. No, not to our creator, not even on the slithering one, but to the entrance of your churned out thoughts, the one that stayed deeply rooted in your mind. Remember, I was taken out of you inherited your fruitful faithfulness and your fiery fears. I became you. Never hesitated to bite that fruit that's been stuck in your throat. Our action was forbidding before bidding with the enemy. We were naked and garbed in the false truth. We gave in to the lies, the hardship, the crime and travels of new good things. You gave in to the hurt and the pain, letting yourself go and strained. We gave in to death and forgetting how to replenish. And society gave you a tag, upper superior. Dragging me along, I was tagged lesser inferior. I was created out of you, remember? Dear boy child, retrace your route to God's plan for you to reign. His plan for you to be like him, creating your world. 
You are worth more than pleasant and precious riches. You are the boisterous wind clearing all negative forces, being what with the true tree of life, deeply rooted. You are strong, a king. Add them to your present state. So conceive, agree, speak, create, and manifest. For this is good on the sixth day of your life's journey. And on the seventh day, have dominion, enjoy fruitfulness, multiply, subdue time in your favor, replenish all that's lost. Inhale, then exhale. Rest, boy, child. Rest from all your worries. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. All right. So I heard, <laughs> I heard this one previously. And it really touched my soul. I want to dive into this. Um, the way, well, let me ask you this before I give my interpretation. Are you talking, are you talking to men and saying, hey, as a woman, I'm not your enemy? Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah. That's actually what I, I meant to. That's what I, I've been saying since in the book. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. So what prompts that? Because for those who may pick up this podcast in 20 or 30 years, what's currently happening right now where we would even have to have a conversation between men and women being enemies of each other? Well, um, with the with the with the influx in my country, I think there are some ladies. There are actually some ladies who don't understand the whole feminism thing. They really don't understand. Some of them just they just hear, oh, this person is saying this about uh, men. Oh, let's join her without even finding out, without even reading about reading up about how feminism came up. You know. So when one woman goes through something, you know, she she just goes ahead to say, okay, this is exactly what I have gone through. Oh, all men are these, all men are, you know, like there's this phrase that they will always use, men have come and all of that. Some women don't actually know that these men might not be their enemy. The enemy might just be them. They are acting out of, you know, maybe they've had experiences that, have put them in that situation where they now look at men like men are evil or men are bad or men are the enemy. So I'm trying to say to them that they shouldn't be thinking that way. They should actually just take a few steps backwards and look at themselves and say, okay, maybe there's something happening. Maybe it has to be my background something that may have happened in the family that have put me in this kind of situation. So indirectly, in, in what I have gone through is actually attracting these same experiences back to me. So that man might not be the problem because he has his own issue that he's going through, obviously from his background, some things that he had gone through. So when two negativity, you know, negative forces come together, there's always problems somewhere. It's, it's always disastrous. So they shouldn't look at men as, you know, the enemy. 
And instead of saying, oh, we, feminists, we are, we are practicing feminism, we are doing this. No, no, no. It's not about that. Feminism has its own, there are several aspects of feminism that if you want to dive into it, it's a lot. I don't even like talking about it because it's none of my business, you know. But first of all, is the individual. What is going through your mind? What have you gone through? What are your experiences? These are the things that actually, you know, make up the, the thought pattern of that particular individual to now say, oh, men are like this or men are like that. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot to... It raises a really great conversation because sometimes uh, just the, the mere presence of me being in a room <laughs> is negative to certain women. How dare you be here? Uh, we don't like men or I don't, I don't date black men. I've heard that, you know. And it's just like, wait, all I, all I am doing is existing. I haven't even said a word yet. Have yeah. you... When, when you and I met, did you have any type of negative vibes towards me because I was a man? No, never, never, never. I mean, just, if, I never understood. I can't understand it. If, if first of all, you know, a lot of people get it wrong. We are first of all human beings before anything else. We have to look at it from that aspect first of all. If the creator God himself didn't want women to exist. He wouldn't create women out of man. He wouldn't even consider. But because he's very creative, he has foresight. He knows what he's doing. He decided to bring this particular one from this one he had already created. So, I mean, he has a plan. He knows the reason why he said there has to be a man and then there has to be a woman. So, the man understands his place. The woman understands her place. Now, when both of them understand their place and their function, they can't jut into each other and start fighting or saying, oh, this is my space. No, don't come into my space. No. First of all, we're human beings and we're all here for a reason. Once we find our essence and our, the reasons for existence, then I think all of this man-woman issue, we have our experiences. Let's look at it from this angle. We have our experiences. We've had like, several bad relationships, we've connected with some amazingly bad people. <laughs> but that shouldn't, that shouldn't form how we look at the next person, oh, because this person has not. I know, yeah, when we, when we have experiences, bad experiences, we now tend to want to look at this person as bad. But then again, keep that picture aside, deal with it, keep it aside, but look at this person as a human being first. So you don't start tagging every man out there as that one that has done something wrong to you. So first of all, we're human beings before anything else. So that's, I think that's how it's supposed to be. I hope I'm not <laughs> offending anyone. <laughs> I'm not offended, but I'm sure we'll offend somebody with this uh, episode. But I really, when I heard that poem, I really thought about uh, it being a very healing opportunity because mm -hmm. I feel like um, there is a, a rift, there is a, a mini uh, gender war going on. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes what happens is with men and women is we look at our differences instead of our similarities. Exactly. And, and, and if we are gonna look at differences, we don't look at how the differences can help one another. 
right? Yeah. There's things that you're great at that I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not great at. And there's things I'm great at that you may not be great at. And then that's how we can complement each other. And that doesn't yeah. have to be in a romantic way, just as human beings, yeah. right? And so that's why I really love, so far that's my favorite poem for me. Uh, <laughs> it touches my soul so much because sometimes it can get frustrating. Yeah. Sometimes it can be frustrating to love someone who hates your existence. Mm -hmm. Because to me, and I, I know this kind of goes against a little bit what you're saying, Mm -hmm. To me, the black woman is God. And, and, you know, this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. And so to meet black women, and really any woman who just doesn't like me mm -hmm. because of the fact that I was born a guy uh, or because they've had experiences or they've been hurt or whatever it may be, but I didn't physically do anything or spiritually do anything to them. Mm -hmm. For me, your poem brings healing, saying, hey, I'm not your enemy. And so if I'm reading that poem and let's say I didn't know who you were, I would uh, read that and say, wow, there is an opportunity. There's, there's a voice out there somewhere that is saying, hey, I'm not your enemy. I'm here to unite. I'm here to collaborate. I'm here to build with you. I know mm -hmm. what other people may have said or what have happened in the past, but I'm here for yeah. you. And I love that unification. Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if 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 um, if we keep looking at things from the right perspective, I think you know this can really bring healing. And that was what, like I said, when I saw that short clip on my friend's um, status update, it really brought me to tears. Actually, I didn't even mention that I it, that video brought me to tears because I realized that everything is most of the time. Is all about the girl child. Now, that is not to say, oh, it's not very important to talk about every child, especially the girl child. That is not to say it's not important. But I, I looked at it from another angle. I looked at it from another perspective that, oh, we have all kinds of things going on for, you know, the girl child, girl child is girl child that, which is very much, you know, on the right track. But then again, it looked to me, it felt like the boy child is a little bit relegated to the background. And so there's so much pressure on the boy child. If the boy child does something and then he's crying, you hear, oh, boys don't cry. Man up, you have to do this, you know, stuff like that. But then again, you have to look at it that this child has emotions. Like I said before, the, the boy child is the man. The man is the boy child. So we, don't, we can't separate the two, it's one. In every man, there is a boy there. So you have to look at it from that angle and give them a chance to also know that they are kings. They are, you know, they, they can actually just snap a finger and things will just change. They can move mountains. They can, you know, call creation. Hey, creation, I need you to walk around for me. I need the stars to, you know, put that, that in them, speak life into them. And then they begin to come out and say, yes, this is who I am, I'm a king. You know, not an arrogant king, but a king that also understands and, you know, loves humanity, loves the other gender, you know, genuinely, not sexually or not romantically, but genuinely loving this other gender as, you know, 
we're, we're supposed to be here together. So I, it brought me to tears when I thought about that. Just in a few minutes, I, I was just thinking about it. I said, no, I think we need to do more for the boy child as well. You know, the girl child almost like has 98% um, of the cake or the pie. So why can't we just bring that other 2% to make it a whole cake and everybody's eating out of that? It's interesting that you say that. I know we have to go soon. But it's interesting that you say that because many people, many women, would say that the guys have 98% of the cake and the women have been left out. And so to hear you say, to hear you say, well, to hear you say, well, no, the women have 98% of the cake. Now, I don't know which one is true, right? <laughs> right? Because I guess it's all a matter of who the person is, what the circumstance yeah. is. It can change, the right? Yeah, the individual. But I have noticed that right now, as we're recording this in 2021, right? Yeah. Uh, heading into 2022, um, we are in the middle, at least in the United States, you can let me know if it's the same there. We're in the middle of a women empowerment age where now it's, you know, women are get it, should be getting their fair share of equity, their fair share of mm -hmm. opportunities, like never before. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm not against it, right? But mm -hmm. I've noticed that during the women empowerment movement, it's been a thing of, well, because it's a women empowerment movement, men must shut up. They must get out the way. They must not say anything. They don't have any voice. They need to move. This is our time. And I'm saying, wait a second. I thought this was <laughs> going to be a situation that as we empower, then we could rise together, not push anyone else down. And so that's what I get from your poem at a time during a women empowerment age. Hey, let's not forget about, you know, there's, there's young boys being born as well. And they mm -hmm. deserve the same type of opportunity. Maybe not the same, but they des they deserve a fair share at their own opportunities that are meant for them as well. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's everyone has to understand their place and realize that you know coming together makes the picture even more beautiful. You know, yes. you can't say, "Okay, I have this part of the picture, so let me just stay on my side." The picture has to be complete. It's like a puzzle, like a jigsaw puzzle. You bring this piece, I bring that piece, we we'll make that picture clearer. You know, but if we keep separating, then the picture is not clearer. You know, it's not in fact the picture is not clear. So there's this war, whether seen or unseen, that just keeps going on. And as far as I know, it's been going on for ages. So hopefully someday, you know, <laughs> that will be solved. So <laughs> Well, the best thing that we can do is create a podcast episode like this and feed, uh, treat, treat each other fairly and equitably and yeah. teach our children and our friends and everyone else to do it. All we can do is control uh, the circumstances around us. Yeah. And hopefully that spills over uh, to other thinking as well. You wanted to say something? Or... Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's true. We just have to, you know, we just have to look at it from the brighter side of life and just keep pushing, you know, making sure that, because for me, I, I really don't like, um, I don't like uncomfortable situations. I don't like when I'm in a place and then there's a, 
there's some kind of unseen war going on. I am very sensitive. I'm a very sensitive person. Once I step into a place, and even if I wasn't there when that thing is, you know, when that thing happened, I would definitely pick up the vibe. Obviously, from maybe the way people are just doing things around the place. So I'm a very sensitive person, and I wouldn't want, you know, such kind of, you know, situation to keep going on. It would be nice if everybody understands their place and understands that the next person is not the enemy. You know, we just have to all work together. Of course, bringing the creator of God himself back into this picture, he had intentions. So we need to realize that there's a reason for that and then work with, you know, the bigger picture that he has for humanity as in having men and women in the picture. So, yeah. But before we head out, uh, where can people connect with you, check out your work? Where's the best place to, to do that? Okay, um, I have some stuff written down on um, WordPress. I have uh, that's newfloetry.wordpress.com. You can okay. check me out on newfloetry.wordpress.com. I have a few pieces there. Um, you can check me out on Instagram. That is neo.flow.etry, N-O.F-L-O.E-T-R-Y. You can find me on Instagram with that. I'm also on Facebook. Um, you can type neofloetry Dawina. Um, okay. That's neofloetry. Dawina is spelled D-A-W-I-N-A. Once you type Neofloetry Darwina, you find the rest of my name. I don't want to call the other name because it's a long. <laughs> <laughs> I love to be, I love to be enigmatic like that. So yeah, you can check me out on these um, platforms. And I'm also, I'm also on Bigo. Um, I hold open mic sessions on Bigo every um, every month on the app. I've been there for quite some time now. November, of course, is like my one-year anniversary on the app, and I've been doing amazingly well. I've held um, um, spoken word poetry slams. I've had about four editions, and also I've held um, open mics. From the moment I realized I could do this, I just so can check me out on Bigo. As Amawina, Amawina is intentional, actually. Amawina is a combination of two of my names, my native Nigerian name and my English name, which is Amakevi and Edwina. So I'm a winner, always. I love that. I love that. I want to thank you for taking time out. I know we actually scheduled this conversation right on the spot. So it wasn't mm -hmm. some you know thing that we planned for weeks and weeks and weeks, right? We, we sat down today and said, hey, let's talk. And so yeah. I'm really excited that we did that. And I really want to stay in touch because I have some ideas. Uh, for you, you know, I always got ideas. Um, so um, I have some things that I think we can do together and I uh, look forward to having an equitable relationship with you. I'm looking forward to staying in touch. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about this. So thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Thank you for appearing here on Black Equity. And uh, you and I will talk again very, very soon. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for listening to another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. We thank our guest today, Amawina, for sharing her poetry and her thoughts from Nigeria and teaching us about the motherland and what's currently happening in her country. 
for me to create a sustainable world, we have to have conversations internationally, globally. We have to understand the different perspectives so then we can make the right adjustments. I'm DJ Motri of Black Equity Network, and I'll see you next time on Black Equity Podcast. Thank you.